This is the Sea to Sky podcast with Alan, weaving through the issues in Sea to Sky country. Welcome to another Sea to Sky podcast. I'm sitting here with Don Titus again. We're in uh, Whistler Village outside of Blends Cafe. People may think that Blends is paying me for this, but far be it. We just enjoy their coffee. So another shout out to Blends. Don, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. What an honor to be involved in my very first podcast in Whistler, BC with you. <laughs> well, yeah, flattery will get you everywhere. Um, <laughs> So tell us, what, you know, first question, I mean, why get into politics? Well, I've lived here for 35 years, very busy uh, school teacher, just watched everything kind of zoom along as it normally does. And last year I was retired, had the opportunity to follow a little more closely. And lo and behold, I noticed that we had a $4 million project on the budget for uh, an artificial turf project. And it just made me step back because our community had a lot of other important issues going on and I really didn't understand how that had come to be so off I went to my first council meeting and what did you discover what I discovered number one and I knew nothing about uh, synthetic turf at that time but I actually found a professor at SFU not even a hundred miles away who was quite concerned about some of the material that was being used It was all new information to me um, but at that time, having a science background and being an environmentalist, I really was concerned about this material coming into our community. And okay, well, what are the concerns? What what is the what are the alarm bells that you're sounding? Well, here? the alarm bell was there was research all over the internet, and Dr. Lanfear at SFU uh, is a lead specialist, and the creme rubber infill that was being considered for this project. Um, is contaminated with lead and there is a zero level of lead exposure that's safe for children. So in his own words, he suggested that a moratorium be put on this project. The science is ongoing now. Uh, we're starting to use different materials for these plastic synthetic turf fields. As a result of my involvement with a planner over the year that the project was coming forward, the creme rubber infill was removed and they've used another product instead. And so it was a win for our community. We still have a new turf field being um, put together as we speak and that'll be great for all the kids and adults that will want to use it. I would have preferred to see grass. You win some and you don't you win some, always... You lose some. And there are, you're not the first person to raise questions about the soccer field because apparently we've paid way too much for it. I mean, without sort of getting into the nitty-gritty, uh, it seems like there was no reason why. I mean, I, I, I guess one argument is that, you know, it's just more expensive to do things in Whistler. But, uh, yeah, there may have been a cheaper option. I mean, what's wrong with grass? I mean... Uh, well, well, we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes. It's something that I hope to follow closely and maybe ultimately work towards seeing this field at the end of its life cycle. Perhaps they'll revert back to grass. Who knows what's going to happen tomorrow, eight years from now, perhaps the whole uh, world of turf has decided. Well, we'll end its cycle. I mean, I, I suppose one argument is that the maintenance for turf is lower. I, without having the facts in front of me and knowing, you know, what it costs for initial capital outlay versus lifetime maintenance, who knows? Uh, somebody knows, but I don't, so I guess uh, we'll just have to leave it there. There are other issues, of course, facing Whistler, number one being housing. I have to ask everyone, because it is the hot-button issue, do you have any plans on how we can sol solve some of the housing, uh, 
I use the word crisis. I know people don't like to say crisis, but I mean, it is a housing crunch then. How, how do we housing solve that? Housing crunch, housing crunch for sure. Well, number one, we've all known all along that there was a land bank down at Chequemus, Chequemus Crossing One. The mayor's task force came together last year. I was able to really follow that closely with my involvement in uh, the council happenings. So it was wonderful to see, you know, movement going forward. And then again, I think because we know that there's hundreds of people, I don't have the exact number I should, on the WHA list waiting to purchase homes so that they can truly feel like they're putting their roots down here. This first proposal now coming forward from Council, we had an open house a couple of weeks ago, and I saw that there were 500 units proposed in this first stage, but they're all going to be rental. So for me, my perspective after speaking to not one, but two different young couples at that open house is, we need to be putting in some triplexes, duplexes, something where, again, these families can say, okay, this is ours now. Otherwise, they are following the steady stream of people who are leaving our community to go to other places where they can really afford to put their roots down. Yeah, and I, I understand why they feel that way, but then, you know, the flip side of that is if we don't provide rentals, the, you know, sort of the, the shorter-term people that come in, the people that are here for a year or two years, where are they going to go? And, and, of course, all these small businesses, you know, these same, these same young couples that may want a home probably may also be running a small business and they need employees. So where are they going to go? The well, employees that they need. You're absolutely right and things are happening very quickly here. There was an announcement just within the last couple of weeks all of a sudden Vale has almost come to our rescue in a way or their own rescue and they are going to be providing 200 beds for short-term staff and those will be rental. The WHA has already completed one building for rental and another in Chakamas as well. So the rentals are coming on board. And let me clarify, please, what I look at Chakamas Crossing to would not be all ownership, but at least some, 50-50 perhaps, right? There is no magic bullet here. We've all heard that word now. And in a perfect world, you know, everybody would be able to move into something affordable. That's not a new yeah, that's scenario. Like, it's been yeah. ongoing since I moved here. Yeah. Uh, it, it has. It's 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 sort of endemic to Whistler. Whistler is always. I mean, you go way back. Even when I was a little kid, I remember hearing. You know, I guess they were probably just teenagers, but they were the old kids at that time to me that were you know complaining about finding a place to live, or maybe they were in their early twenties. But uh, what would you make? A, so would you make housing for purchase a priority then if you were on council over rental? At this point, I would allude to the fact that I believe there should be a 50-50 split. I don't know that that's the magic number. I just know from what I know the demand is out there now on WHA. We have a big list on, on both sides for rental and ownership. So let's provide both as right. much as we can. And then there are these private proposals that have come forward too with their own issues attached to them, meaning number one, we have some big pieces of land that are only zoned right now for single family homes and everyone's trying to come to the rescue now, but some of the proposals are looking for far too many additional bed units that's now going to be imposed upon our bed cap. And again, we look at our community. Well, what are, what's far too many units? I mean, what, I mean, if, if, if we need the beds, if the beds can be filled and we want to keep the resort growing and prosperous, how, how many is too many? I mean, well, as long as we're not growing outside of the physical 
geographical footprint. You know, we're just building more density. This could be a very long conversation, but yeah, just to I know. keep so, it simple. So in 30 words or less. In 30 yeah. words or less, when we have a subdivision, let's say Nordic, let's talk about Garibaldi Way where there is a single family R1 property zoned. Okay. And now we have probably, there's got to be 30 plus letters, there's probably 40 from residents who've lived there for 30 or 40 years. So it's important that we're respecting the um, impact on neighborhoods. We still need to maintain the community that's existed for a long time and not to do something that might bring a huge benefit to our community to the detriment of people who've been living here. Where there's a will, there's a way. We'll find a way. You know, but the thing is, when you say that people have been, you know, the, the, the residents that have been living there for 30, 40 years, and I understand that, you, you've been there, you're used to the neighborhood, but I mean, neighborhoods change. I mean, if we look at the West End of Vancouver, I mean, I remember meeting some, some elderly lady up here who grew up in the West End and said that in the 1950s it was all single family and it was lovely and you, you'd walk out your front porch and you could smell the oil. I'm sure it was lovely. I'm sure it was absolutely perfect, but the reality is, you're in the middle of a major city, it's not going to change. I mean, it's not going to stay that way, it's going to change. Whistler is a resort, I'm sure that people like single-family neighborhoods, but the reality is we've got a small land bank. At some point, you've got to tell them. I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but this would be, I know, the way that I feel, and I know other people feel, that you just have to accept change, don't you? Oh, uh, we certainly do, but can it be done in a way where everybody can feel that it's been done for the benefit of all. You know, we would have to speak, as I said, a little bit longer. That proposal, as well, has no um, egress onto the highway and the additional traffic there on our main artery north-south, it'll probably be an issue. Since we're talking about the highway, I'm gonna use that as a, as a convenient segue to talk about transportation. That's another big topic. What do you feel? What can we do about the you know, proposed, I don't know, commuter bus or any other options that, that might come to mind? Well, uh, I followed as well the TAG um, research that's gone on. We have uh, the proposal for a nice express bus to go from the north end to the south end with just one stop. We've got a lot of people here who need to get from point A to point B quickly and I think the transit issue has been challenging because sometimes the buses go by, they can't get on them, they can't get to where they need to go. Um, so increased service would be fantastic. And of course now we do have a lot of residents living in Pemberton and Squamish commuting in as well. So to be able to work with the province as they're looking to do and provide that uh, opportunity for uh, employees coming in from out of town by bus so that we don't have our are the traffic that we have here. Traffic is huge for anyone trying to get down to Function Junction to pick up materials or get to work. Their whole day Yeah, who knew that impacted. traffic jams would become a problem in, in Whistler? Don't ask me. I'm on my bike most of the time, as most people will know. Yeah, okay. Well, then that, that begs another question. That. What about having, you know, increasing the bike lanes? I guess, I mean, that only works six months of the year. Uh, the other six months of the year, does, I guess you're you're back to square one. So. In a perfect world, we would have the opportunity to ride bikes year-round here. And you know what? You, you really can if you really want to. Where there's a will, there's a way is, again, our bike trails really are fantastic. There's a lot of people here who've simply chosen to only go by bike. They don't have a car, and they, they can use that alternative. But not everybody can. And I'll use that as a little segue. Because one of the things that came up last year that caused some anxiety in our 
community was when pay parking was reinstated and people lost yeah. their ability to go and park when they needed to. And we've got seniors, we've got mums with little kids. I would like to see residents have access to a parking pass. And maybe that's only six weeks of parking per week. But um, in other communities where we have... So you're, you're, you're one of your campaign... I'm pushing the parking what, thing. Free, free parking. Is For everybody. Camp, there's, there's a vote getter. You know what? I don't know anybody who's going to vote against free parking. The challenge comes right away that, we need, to, that. we need to reduce greenhouse gases. I agree. People know me. I'm on my bike all the time. But again, I'm looking I'll at... I'll vouch for that. Don did show up to this interview on her bike. We're looking at community members here who, A, cannot take a bus all the time. And then people say, well, it only costs $30 a month to have a pass. I know people who go to the food bank. I know people who don't have that extra money. And it's not the majority, but that's the lens that I'm looking through at our stressed community. So when we had a council back in 2011 that were voted in because they said they would retain parking for residents, that's what they were promised. So that's a bigger conversation again, but from my perspective, I was in Chamonix last September, big community, they try to look after their uh, staff and they have parking provided for them. You know, you bring up some issues that actually I don't think other candidates have gone into as deep. Most people feel, well, it's a prosperous resort, um, but we do, we do have, you know, as you say, we, we are stressed. There are some stresses. Having said that, does it give you pause for thought that maybe being on council for four years, I mean, it's a tough job. Does it ever worry you that, that that's something that you might be biting off more than you can chew, so to speak? I don't feel I would be biting off more than I can chew. And one of the things that I feel really strongly about is I'm retired, this would be my full-time commitment. And I have attended many council meetings in the last year. I know some of the council packages are over 700 pages. And I listened very carefully when the mayor smiled and said, well, we're all speed readers here. So as a teacher, I'm a pretty good speed reader. I can absorb inf information quickly. And is it a big job? Absolutely. Is it one that I think requires full-time attention from the individual in that role? Absolutely. And I would just speak personally, if I was still working full-time or even part-time, I wouldn't be sitting here today looking at putting my name forward. But right now, I feel it's time. It's my time to give back. Right. It is a big job. It is a big responsibility. And I, I'm glad you brought up the agenda packages. As a you know, as a journalist, as a reporter that's sat in on countless council meetings, not just here in Whistler, but all over Western Canada, I'm well aware that staff in these municipalities go to great lengths to provide this information. And oftentimes, as I'm sure you've seen, some councillors will show up at the meeting and you see them just cracking the the agenda for the first time. I didn't see that ever here. That doesn't happen in Whistler. We've ha we have some very dedicated counselors. That's that's good to hear. It's been a while since I've been to a meeting in Whistler, so I'll take your word for it. Um, but you know, again, you do say you know 700 700 page agendas. You know, I don't think a lot of the you know I don't think the average resident is aware that there's this much that goes into managing such a small community. Is that something that was a surprise to you? I mean, when did you sort of first start to get the political bug and start investigating the council meetings? Uh, immediately, because one of the things that uh, was put forward to me is that I should have known about this multi-million dollar project. Right. And I, I read our local paper cover to cover yeah. every week. Perhaps I wasn't reading it with a fine-tooth comb. 
and know I wasn't going to some of these other meetings and many people that's why we have podcasts now so that you can just listen oh <laughs> well we'll have there's to no, no nothing gets lost on in the translation. way back and forth to work while you're waiting in traffic yeah there you go but um, just to speak to that it really did seem to me like there were some pieces missing and the main one was community engagement which is a hard thing to do you can hold an open house and not everybody's going to turn up and often it's because they're working or they're too tired or whatever, but to say you're having community engagement and really only 150 people attended something, that to me is not true community engagement. One of the things I'd like to pass on a big salute to is uh, Sue Maxwell, one of the departing councillors. She has put forward a, a blog site, it's called Better Democracy in Whistler, and it talks about providing more transparency, more engagement with councillors as things are moving forward. So instead of them perhaps getting this 700-page document that, yes, they've been involved with, but it sounds to me like they haven't had as much opportunity as could have benefited everyone. So she has got a great blog. If you'd like to go and take a look at it, Better Democracy yeah, in yeah. Whistler. Say it one more time so they remember. BetterDemocracyInWhistler.com. Sue Maxwell. Repetition works, trust me. Um, okay, so just to wrap up, as an overview, what do you, where do you feel? You, you, you're a long-term Whistler resident. You've seen great changes in, in the community. What, and let's just take the Olympics as a, as a jumping off point. Say, since the Olympics, what do you think that the community's done right? And where do you think, if you could rewind it, you might want to do a little bit differently? big question. I knew you were going to save the best for last. Always, yeah. Some of the things we've done right, for instance, I attended a beautiful opening at the Audain Museum a month and a half ago. Did I ever think I would see a facility like that in my little town? Not on your life. No, very impressive. And no. that came about as a result of some very amazing, intelligent human beings we have in our community that know how to reach out and make those things happen. You, you got to go to the Audain Museum and see an opening of Andy Warhol. Seriously, 20 yeah. years ago, did you ever think you'd not, be able to... No, definitely no, no. Not. Definitely and not. then since the Olympics, of course, we ended up with a beautiful cultural center as well as that. But again, it's the, it's the community here that steps up always and volunteers and donates and has created this magical place. And what have we done right? we've been able to create a place where those people do want to stay here but now what's happening is many of them have decided it's too much so we do need to step back we need to find balance now between supporting the community that's here that loves to be here that does all these amazing things not just for us but for the guests that come everyone you meet who comes to visit here wants to move here right so yeah. we know that we know that but for me, it's been it's been sad. I've lost a lot of friends. They just it's Whistler is not what they moved into years ago, and we all know yes, things change. But at this point, I think we need to do our best to save what we have now, and then moving forward, make it even better. Whatever that's going to look like, I don't have the I don't have the crystal ball. But you want to be part of making it better. Absolutely. So please vote for Don, October 20th. We'll see you out there. Okay, and there's your there's your free campaign ad. Um, and I'll just thank Don again for sitting down with us. And yes, and again, because repetition works, get out and vote October 20th. And this has been Sea to Sky Podcast. This is the Sea to Sky Podcast. If you have a comment or story ideas, please check out our website at seataskypodcast.com or on Facebook and Twitter at Sea to Sky Podcast. 
Thank you for clicking us on. 